All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of Limitless MD. I'm your host, Vikram Ryan. And today we have Dr. Stephanie Pearson. She is an OBGYN that after an injury decided to reinvent herself. And she felt that there was a need for physicians to be well represented in the disability insurance space. And after mindset and, and entrepreneurship and sort of inner growth, she came up with this company, uh, Pearson Rabbits, which is one of the top disability insurance companies that really caters to the physician and really advocates for the physician. And uh, I want to invite her to the podcast. What if you could reclaim hours of free time each week, create legacy building wealth and devote more energy to your passion projects without giving up on your career as a life-saving MD? My name is Vikram Raya, functional cardiologist, high-performance coach, and real estate expert. And I'm here to give you the tools, strategies, and solutions you need to transform your life so you can unlock your limitless potential and achieve greatness, all the while freeing up your precious time. Welcome to Limitless MD. Let's dive in. Thank you, Stephanie, for being here. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So... People are wondering, like an OBGYN, that's a great career. Like, uh, <laughs> does did it make sense perhaps to pivot into this, or or do you, uh, you know, how did how did this all come about? So, to be quite honest, I was forced to reinvent myself. I know that a lot of your listenership and and followers are practicing clinicians who are also looking for other avenues. I sustained a career-ending injury and was forced out of clinical medicine. So kind of in a quick nutshell, I got called to do a precipitous delivery. My patient kicked me in the shoulder, tore my labrum. I ended up with a frozen shoulder, had surgery. My surgery didn't go as well as planned. I have not been cleared to do OB or operate my orthopedist actually put in black and white that I was a liability and I was unceremoniously terminated the day my FMLA was up and then found out that I was not insurable by malpractice. So it wasn't a, oh, well now I'm going to go do this. I actually went through a pretty dark period where I had no idea what I was going to do. Um, I tried medical editing. I tried some biotech consulting. I did some um, defense malpractice work, but I kept coming back to the fact that all of my friends were asking me to look at their disability policies because I found out that I made some mistakes out of sheer ignorance. And I felt like, wow, with all of these people asking me to look at their stuff, I should probably do it ethically. So I went and got licensed. And it really happened very organically that I truly felt like I had not been properly educated. And we're going back 25 years. I think there's been a huge push in financial literacy since then. But when I was a resident, nobody talked about it. And when I became an attending, my senior partner said, I have a guy, right? and trust him, he'll take care of you. Well, he didn't. Uh, I had two policies, both had issues with them. I was lucky enough that I had them. I didn't have to sell my house. My kids so, could stay in so They paid some of it, but not the, the full extent of your so, true salary. I mean, as OBGYN, you made a 
I salary. Right. I had not kept pace with my income. I didn't know that my bonus could get covered. And so one of my policies wasn't a true specialty specific policy. So I am still nine and a half years later, I have to send in my earnings every month and they get to decide how much of my benefit they're going to pay. And one of my policies didn't have some of the bells and whistles that it should have had. And so I haven't gotten an increase in the last nine and a half years from that policy. And so, so, so Stephanie, I, I yeah. have to ask, I mean, I think I don't know much about disability insurance at all. I, I just know that I, I know many physicians just take it on. Perhaps it's something that when they first join their employer, they, they're told to do or, you know, their financial advisor at like their bank where they do their financial advisory that, oh, yeah, just add this, tack this on. And it seems like it was almost an afterthought because no one really thinks, oh, that's going to happen to me. And it happened to you. So can you, what's the best advice you can give to people in terms of, I mean, specifically physicians on, hey, here's the top three, five things that no one tells you about that you need to include that are not included? I would say the most important is that the policy is specialty specific, not just by your occupation, but by the definition of total disability. There are quite a few companies out there that say their own occupation, but when you read the document, they may define own occupation as something called held by the national um, economy, not specific to what one employee does at one employer site, which allows companies to cast this really wide net that says, this is what you would, could, should be able to do based on your training, education, and skill set. And additionally, when you look at how they define total disability, it'll often read that you're disabled if you can't do your job and you're not gainfully employed. And that definition stinks. Most of us are hardworking, type A, want to be productive, want to get out of the house. And what you want the definition to say is that you're considered totally disabled if you can't do your job regardless if you're gainfully employed in another occupation. It's one word, yes. but it makes all the difference, right? Regardless, see, regardless, that's the word. Right, you want regardless instead of and, right? right. And the that second, one word can cost someone thousands. several hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, I mean, year, I went- Probably I went millions on, by the, for their life, lifetime. I went on claim at 40 years old. I will be on claim until I'm 65. If, 25 years. Oh my yeah, God. Because my shoulders not getting better. I've plateaued at max. I, on a good day, I can lift it about 110 degrees. Oddly, I woke up in 2021 with a frozen right shoulder. So they don't know if it's from overcompensation or if I have an underlying connective tissue disease. I'm on claim until I'm 65. That my one policy that I told you I still have to hand in every month is because it wasn't a true specialty specific policy. I had a, what's called a transitional language, which says I'm considered totally disabled if I can't do my job, regardless if I'm gainfully employed in another occupation until I make my pre-disability earnings. 
that extra phrase is a problem. Now, somebody could say, well, isn't disability insurance income replacement protection? And once you're making what you were making, do you really need it? Well, the issue is it doesn't take earning potential into view. I wasn't at my ceiling. I was 40 years old, right? So my income wasn't at its ceiling. And if I had gotten hurt my first year as an attending, huge difference. I have residents, I have fellows that have had to go out on claim. If that were their language, they're only getting covered until they find a job that pays 60 or $70,000 a year. There's a ton of them, right? I mean, I'm not in a terrible place. I was making decent money, but it didn't cover me for what I thought so, so I was being covered. Is this the industry not, is this the industry on purpose protecting themselves so they don't need to make claims or is it just oversights in languaging? What is this? I think it's both. To be quite honest, I think it is, let me take a step back. I think the insurance industry is one of the most archaic industries out there. There's no standardization of language. They're looking for reasons not to pay people, right? But they do. And, and that's the, the end game is every single one of my clients, knock on wood, that's had to go out on claim has been paid. I think that there that's is- awesome. Good for you. Thank you. I think there's an element of, of the industry itself. I think that there's an element of who's representing the industry. And, and don't get me wrong, there are other good people out there. But for the most part, they're salespeople who are trying to make money, who are trying to feed their families. And I get that. But there should be some higher ethics involved. And I always say that we lead with education. We don't lead with sales. We've actually purposefully taken commissions out of play. Our producers who we've hand curated, who we've taught how to do it kind of our way, they have no idea what the insurance companies are paying Pearson Rabbits. We, all of our employees are salaried. I don't want anyone coming back and saying that the advice that they're getting from me or my people is based on money. It's not. I don't even know, which is probably a terrible thing for a business owner to say, but our CFO is my husband and I assume he's not letting me get screwed. So, <laughs> you know, so we've kind of taken that piece out of it, right? Like somebody will say to me, you know, well, how come the other guy I spoke to didn't tell me X, Y, Z, or why did they try to sell me this policy instead of what you're talking about? 99% of the time, it's money. It's the more they sell, the more they make, and they're not really incentivized to do what's right. Yeah, And that stinks, but it's a fact that yeah. exists. Let's, let's talk. So you've mentioned two things. One is like, um, you know, that the word, the regardless where, you know, if you're injured in or your sick, injured or sick in your professional, like if I'm a cardiologist, and as long as I can make my same money somewhere else, I'm technically not due my disability. But you're saying, hey, if I can't perform as a cardiologist, then yes, yes. I, I'm owed that money and I can still work somewhere else and do something else. Correct. 
And then the second one was the um, uh, your your income until you hit a certain threshold and then they stops paying. Is that right? That's mine. Okay. That's not what people really want. <laughs> right. And what are the other things that sometimes get slid in either languaging or, 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 or writers or caveats or exclusionary clauses that can sometimes screw physicians over? There's so much there. Um, okay. So there are things called writers that help create the perfect picture. There are some writers that personally, I think are not negotiable. There are ones that are. There are ways to reverse engineer a policy to make it more palatable. I think that there is a myth that there's negotiation available with insurance, kind of like buying a used car. The fact of the matter is I control none of it. I don't control the product. I don't control the pricing. I don't control how much somebody can get, right? There are a lot of people that have this myth that disability insurance is going to make them whole. There are internal algorithms that each of the carriers utilize that take into account what's your income, what, if any, group employer benefits do you get, and who pays for them, because now we're talking about taxation, right? And they tell me what you qualify for. It's not like you can come to me and say, Steph, I want $30,000 a month in benefit. I'm willing to pay for it. If your numbers don't work out that way, I can't make that happen. The one thing that we can control is service and advocacy. And I truly believe that we do a really good job up front to manage expectations to understand really what are the limitations. Because yes, there are things the companies aren't going to cover if you have pre-existing diagnoses. But if you're aware of that going into the process, it's not a surprise. There are, you know, as I mentioned, there are things where we will go back to the carriers and try to argue. You know, if you broke your ankle 10 years ago, right? And the company says they don't want to cover your ankle. Okay, I go back and I say, come on, it was 10 years ago. There have been no issues, no complaints. I get that you have to do your risk mitigation, but how long do I have to wait before I can come back and try to get that put back on the policy? So it's called a reconsideration. So not every exclusion is permanent. And you want to know that you have somebody who's going to go back and fight for you, right? Who's gonna stay up to date and make sure that you're doing the things that you're supposed to be doing. So does your firm, uh, Pearson Ravitz, does it take care of physicians in all 50 states? Yep. Okay, and great. And we have, we have clients in all 50 and Puerto Rico. There you go. That's awesome. <laughs> and and uh, does it matter? All specialties as well. All specialties. Okay. And tell me when the best time for someone to come to see a firm like yours that's a physician advocacy firm versus just a you know big box insurance company or some tag along you know right uh physician disability company the truest answer is the day after match mm. once you've matched into your future field mm -hmm. we can get you what's called oc classed so 
every physician for every company gets what's called an occupational class. It's their internal risk mitigation. So it shouldn't come as a surprise that a cardiothoracic surgeon is going to be more expensive to cover than a hospitalist pediatrician, right? So we all get classed. And as medical students, pre-decision, pre-match, everybody gets classed as the most expensive because they don't know how to risk mitigate. (laughs) And I've seen med students taken advantage of in that way. Once you match, you know what your class is. You're the youngest you're ever going to be. I hope you're still relatively healthy. And that time between match and starting is kind of a nice downtime, in my opinion, to go through this process. Okay. If we miss that jump, then my next is absolutely before you finish training because there are discounts available while you're in training that go away if you wait until you're in attending. And again, can save you thousands over the life of your policy. Okay. I got three things that came to my mind, Stephanie, um, and hopefully you can help me guide guide our listeners here. Mm-hmm. So number one, guys, the younger you are, some of the young people listening to the podcast, post-match, you know, <laughs> medical student, maybe wait, post-match, probably, and then right before you're going to start your real career, definitely go to a firm like Stephanie's because, I, again, with these kind of things that can potentially cause millions down the road or you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars of not non-coverage because of the way that things were phrased. It does not make sense to work with someone who does not have your back. Number two would be what happens to the people who already knee deep in their career? Can they come and get additional insurance or get a, maybe give up a policy and get a new policy or, or, or gets maybe layered policies, perhaps. I don't know what the terminology yes. is, but maybe you can help share, share that some with our yes. listeners. Absolutely. So. Late, later is always better than never, right? Um, I always tell people and, and using, you know, you talk about mindset, right? So yes, it's going to be more expensive the older you are, but if you factor in the, the point that you haven't paid into it for a certain amount of time, the company has to make up some of their losses. And so I tell people, think about it as you've won the game up to this point. And now we're protecting you for your future, right? And there are times where somebody comes to us already with a policy that we can audit and say, yes, this is good. No, it's not. What are the cost benefit ratio of replacing a policy? Or as you mentioned, layering in a new policy. So it's almost, right? We we're not supposed to talk in definitives it's almost never too late. Um, Some companies will only offer new policies up to a certain age. So yes, I have had to tell somebody before, like, look, there's really nothing I can do for you. Um, I hate when that happens, but we are nothing if not brutally honest and completely transparent. Is there an age to where uh, I don't need insurance anymore? What would you say? Like, I'm going to actually address something about how to become self-insured in a second, but I was going to say, it's not an age. It's a wealth. The day 
that you do not have to go to work because you need your paycheck is the day you cancel your policy, right? If, and and this is going to sound salesy and I don't mean it to, you have to think if my last paycheck were actually my last paycheck, would I be okay? If the answer is yes, then you don't need this insurance. If the answer is no, you need the insurance. It, it really is that yeah. simple. And, I, and love, I, I love that dichotomy. I mean, it's pretty clear cut. And it, uh, you know, the way I, I thought about it is uh, over the years, I kept on saying, hey, can I, and is this is probably not the right philosophy, but I was like, okay, instead of paying disability, let me use that money and create multiple streams of income and really get to the point where I could retire from medicine early. Correct. That, that was a choice. But if you're still practicing, Yes, um, I would say have insurance, have disability, make it smart, run it by someone like Stephanie, but work on multiple streams of income to where you right. practice for the love of the game. And if you choose to one day be self-insured, you can do that too. Right. And and you took the words right out of my mouth. I tell people the day that you don't have to go to work is the day you call me and say, hey, Steph, sorry, it didn't work out for you, <laughs> but I won the game and I'm out. Or I'm doing it because I love it. And I always say that's the day that we're canceling it. We'll celebrate together and rock on with your bad self. That's awesome. So Stephanie, what I admire most about you is how you were victorious from your darkest hour and you reinvented yourself and perhaps it was forced, perhaps, you know, perhaps this was what you were meant to do. Who knows? But regardless, not many people can scale to this level of success from those depths. How is it that you're able to do that? What was the strategy, the technique, the passion, the trigger? Who who helped you? What, what was going on there? I would say number one, without sounding trite, it was what I wanted my children to see. Like what was the legacy that that I wanted to leave behind. And I've been very open that at one point I was suicidal and wrote my kids letters, but it came down to, that's not how I wanted them to remember me. Um, So that's part of it. Part of it is surrounding yourself with the right people. um, And that's people that may have an expertise that I don't have. We got a business coach. We, you know, are really intentional about who we hire. I, I joke that I think it's harder to get into med school than it is to get a job at Pearson Rabbits. We we have like four layers of interviews. Wow. And it's because it costs a lot to replace people. It costs a lot to train somebody. I only want to do it once, right? We have, re- I'm happy to report, we have a really low turnover rate. And the turnover that we've had I had one of our employees decide to go back to med school. Like, that's awesome, right? Um, and things like that, where people are are kind of moving on to fulfill their true selves. Um, and, and I think that part of our scale just happened. And, and I really can't take complete um, responsibility for it there was a a period of time where things were happening so fast that we were really just trying to keep up. And it's been in the last 
three years that we've really set goals and we've set, you know, um, our, our value set is ingrained and our mission statements ingrained. And now we're really we are running trying... a, like a true, like a, you know, a corporation, Yes, but it sounds like a corporation with a soul, which I, which I yes. love. Th- this is definitely out of passion and, you know, so much of how we started was based on gut and hustle and not wanting to let it fail and me wanting to help everyone. And at one point, you know, my husband actually said, Steph, your first job tried to kill you. And now your second is trying to kill you. So you need to delegate and you need to scale back and we need to utilize you where you're best. And, you know, that led us to hiring more producers and training them to function and really me going into more of a traditional CEO and medical director role and trying to get away from the one-to-one to to the one-to-many. I love lecturing to residents. I love Uh lecturing at conferences. The more people that I can educate, the happier I am. I loved the educational piece of medicine. I loved training residents. I loved being in the and, OR. And you still are. You're just doing a different topic. That's all. Right. And same thing with me. Like I right. loved cardiology. It was so much fun. But now I'm just talking to doctors in a different way, you know? Right. <laughs> right. So, so Stephanie, as we wrap up here, um, yes. what's the number one impact you want to have on the world? Oh, God. I want to be seen as a disruptor. Mm. I I really like want people to remember me as somebody who really acted out of passion and value and doing the right thing and shaking things up a little bit. You're definitely doing that. That's awesome. Uh, I know, guys, uh, this is one of the times where I'm going to ask everyone check your disability policy, (laughs) make sure it's exactly what you think it is. I don't want anything adverse to happen to you guys. If you need a second opinion, please reach out to uh, Pearson Ravitz. That's P-E-A-R-S-O-N-R-A-V-I-T-Z.com. I believe, is that correct? Yes. Okay, perfect. And then all other contacts for the company will be in the show notes. It's just good to get a second opinion. And if you're young in the game, then definitely sign up with them. Um, this is awesome. I wish you. someone like you was around when I was starting it up, but I'm, I'm glad too. that I'm glad that this is available for people and guys, uh, you know, reach out if you need anything. She sounds like she's like open book and transparent and really willing to help out. So thank you again, uh, Stephanie, for being on the show and educating people on such an important topic. That's not talked about, you know, in the podcast circles, but I think it's so important. Um, and guys, thank you again for supporting the channel. Thank you again for, um, you know, letting the podcast grow so, 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 so fast and, uh, appreciate all of you. And until next time, guys be phenomenal. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Limitless MD. If you found value from this episode, I encourage you to share this episode with a friend and let me know by leaving a review for more information. Make sure you check out the links in the show notes below, or simply visit Vikramraya.com. So until next time, my friends be phenomenal.